In this episode, I'm going to talk about how to learn from failures. We all have setbacks, struggles, challenges, and inevitably at some point we will fail in achieving the results that we were going for. And how you deal with them and what you make of them matters a great deal, especially if you aim to grow as a leader and increase your impact on other people and in organizations. That's what this episode is about, so let's dive in. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team successfully and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host Ramona Shaw and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress and dread but as a source of contribution, connection and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders who know how to lead so everyone wins and grows. In the show, you learn how to think, communicate, and act as the confident and competent leader you know you can be. Welcome to this episode of the Manager Track Podcast on the topic of learning from failures at work. I was thinking about recording a podcast on this topic because I was recently preparing for a series of workshops for a client and leading up to the workshops, I did a negative visualization. Now, this is a stoic practice and For those of you not familiar with Stoic practices or Stoicism, what they're based on, Stoicism is an ancient philosophy, a very practical philosophy on how to have a good life and how to manage our minds and our emotions. So this practice specifically is about thinking ahead of time of what could go wrong, what could fail in order to be prepared. And so I sat on my couch for, I was maybe like 15 minutes or so, and I was visualizing the events and I was going through my mind. And in my mind, I went through the different scenarios that could go wrong, the different ways I personally could fail or the whole event could fail. And I thought about what I would make that mean. I thought about my responses. I visualized myself in these situations and how I would want to behave if this were to actually happen and what I would make it mean. And these are the two components. How how would I behave? How would I conduct myself? And what's the internal dialogue that I would have if I find myself in such a situation? And doing this kind of exercise, which I often do when I find myself in new situations or situations that I know there are things that could go wrong and I don't want them to go wrong. I think they're high stakes situations. And the practice in itself for preparing for it has helped me a great deal, not only to calm my nerves or to feel better prepared, but also if things actually do go wrong, I will respond better because then such situations aren't coming as a surprise. I've already thought about them and I've already prepared my response. Sometimes this could be, what if I do a virtual training for a company and my internet goes out? How will I respond in such a situation? I've already thought about it. Now, do I know for sure that I will show up the way that I premeditated this scenario? Not for sure, but the chances for me doing what I thought about doing will be way bigger. So I'm sharing all this to explain why preparing and learning from failures matters a great deal and we are all constantly exposed to it. And if you actually haven't failed or struggled or felt challenged or felt uncomfortable in a while, you may not be exposing yourself enough to new opportunities that would help you grow to your fullest potential. 
So in order for us to, to expand and learn and grow, we have to embrace the challenge. And that includes setbacks and failures, if you want to call them so, or more intentionally speaking, opportunities to learn. There's a saying by John Barrymore that says, you can only be as good as you dare to be bad. Let that sink in. You can only be as good as you dare to be bad. Yeah, the way that we grow and expand is tied to us failing at times, not looking good, to stumble or struggle, be uncomfortable, do things that are not quite up to our standards yet. Just thinking of this podcast, for example, uh, what are we now? A few years in and podcast recording comes a lot easier to me. The podcast editing comes easier. The publication comes easier. And I'm still not yet where I want to be. I'm still not at the quality and the level of my expectations. But if I had never started, and by the way, I've come a long way from my first few episodes. I'd rather not listen back to them. But if I look at how far I've come so far, just speaking of this podcast, I've already learned and grown a bunch. And I would never be where I am today if I hadn't embraced the fact that some of these episodes are not going to be so good and I'm going to struggle or I'm going to you know mess up on the editing once in a while but I want to be consistent and I want to learn and grow and become a better communicator with the help of this podcast and I have a way to go and you have skills in your profession that you want to develop Communication skills should definitely be one because that's one that we all have in common and we need to grow and we know that the better we communicate, the more effective we will be across the vast majority of professions. But what other skills are important to you that you know you have to expose yourself to as a challenge and to struggle in order to forge them, to grow them and to shape them in the future? And so again, I want to repeat why we're talking about learning from failures at work and why this matters. It is the way to grow. It is part of the process. Now, there are tough ways to do this, things that will slow us down in terms of our growth. And then there are ways that we can learn from these failures and these challenges that will accelerate our growth, but also not reduce our level of confidence, but in fact, increase our level of confidence. So I want to talk about four specific steps as we think about learning from failures. The first one is to prepare. The second one is to own it. The third one is to reflect. And the fourth one is to act and grow. So let's talk about the first one to prepare. As I said earlier with the negative visualization and that practice, in order to properly respond to failure, we should begin by thinking about it so that we're not surprised. Philosopher Seneca once wrote that nothing happens to the wise man contrary to his expectation. Now, what that means is not that the wise man will hope for the worst things to happen, but they don't expect things to turn out in the best case scenarios. And one of the reasons why we feel it's so devastating if a project fails or if we don't get a promotion or if we don't get the job or even if in our personal lives if a vacation doesn't turn out the way we want it or a relationship doesn't turn out the way we want it that we never really considered that things could turn out differently than what we had hoped for but the hope and that desire that aspiration is just one way it could have gone 
And if you focus only on that way and we don't think about how else it could turn out and be prepared mentally and spiritually, embrace the fact that there are many different ways this could end. And we know for a fact that projects fail. And we know for a fact that vacations or relationships don't always turn out the way we want. So in order to learn from failure and be open to it and to embrace it is to be aware of all possibilities that could happen and to prepare for them. Here's another quote from Seneca that I like. He says, think your way through difficulties. Harsh conditions can be softened, restricted ones can be widened, and heavy ones can weigh less on those who know how to bear them. He also says, it's in times of security that the spirit should be preparing itself to deal with difficult times. While fortune is bestowing favors on it, then is the time for it to be strengthened against her rebuffs. So it is in times that things go well that you want to consider the fact that things could also be a different way or could turn to be a different way and to think your way through the difficulties. So I encourage you right now to think about what are things that could go wrong in your life right now, professionally or personally. What are projects that could fail? What are goals that you have that you could not achieve? What are relationships at work or in your personal life that couldn't turn out the way that you want them to? And knowing that you could deal with these setbacks and these failures and that you are strong enough to overcome them. Because most likely you have experienced setbacks and challenges in the past. You've had things that didn't turn out the way that you wanted, but you got over them and you learned from them. And you might even say, in fact, they made me wiser or they made me stronger in some way. And knowing that no matter what comes your way, you will be able to get through it is a boost in confidence, right? And so we are setting the tone ahead of time. And I want to expand on this the most out of the four that we're going to talk about, because it's the one that I think matters the most. And it's yet the one that is least often practiced. I don't often hear people actually prepare for things that could go wrong. So with that, I'm going to wrap up that first section on preparing for it. Again, hoping to have inspired you to think about what could go wrong and how you would show up and what you would make it mean. As a caring and driven manager, I know you want to strengthen your leadership skills, advance your career and lead a high performing, engaged team. And in order to do that as a leader, you need to lead with a system not by shooting from your hips or reacting to everyone else around you. To do so, you need to first learn what should go into a leadership system and second, develop your own. Now, the good news is that I teach you one must-have part in your leadership system in a concise, actionable, and yet comprehensive course focused on running successful one-on-one meetings with your direct reports. It includes over 67 minutes of tactical leadership training, plus a set of resources to make this as easy and immediately applicable for you as possible. You can either watch the video lessons or listen to it through a private podcast feed on your phone. You can get your hands on this course, which I want every single manager to have, for a nominal $19 at RamonaShaw.com slash one one. That's two times the number one. You can check the show notes for the details or head on over to RamonaShaw.com slash one one to get started right now. Now, let's talk about that second part of what you would make it mean. Because when we look at the topic of owning it, 
we don't blame others when something goes wrong, right? So finger pointing is a fairly immature thing to do. And yet in the workplace, we still see this often. As a mature leader, you take responsibility for your part. There's this idea in the conscious leadership space that's called taking 100% responsibility. What that means is I take 100% responsibility for the things that happen and so will my counterparts. Each of us takes a full stake. We fully own it and we say, here are all the ways that I'm responsible for. I take my full stake of responsibility. Again, no blaming others. But there's a second part to this. I also don't blame myself where I turn myself into the victim of the situation. Because sometimes we take on all the blame and this self-loathing dialogue starts to show up. And now we turn ourselves into the victim of the story. That actually reduces our confidence and prohibits us from learning from this situation. That's not the point. So when we say we take the responsibility, we look at it as, yeah, what did I do that co-created the situation? What can I take responsibility for? And what do I learn from this? I didn't mean to get up in the morning and mess it up. I didn't mean for this project to fail, but it did. And so I now own it without the self-deprecating dialogue, but just owning the fact that I have amazing strength and amazing skills, but I also have weaknesses like we all do. And we have blind spots and we have gaps in skills and we're on a learning curve like everyone else. There's nothing wrong with that. And this is all part of the process. So owning it in this positive, confident way will then also allow you to move into the reflective phase, which is the third point here after preparing for it, then owning it, then reflecting on it. When we reflect on what happened in a conscious way and in a way where we're looking for the learning opportunities, not because we're assigning blame to ourselves and we're looking at all the things we did wrong just to burden ourselves and feel just a sense of self-pity in the situation, that won't help. But really to reflect what were the steps that I missed, what were the assumptions that I made that got me into this situation. For example, I found myself in a situation a few days ago where I realized I had like this little gut instinct that said, oh, you know, text this person and give that person a heads up. And I didn't do it. And then I went on my way and that person called me and said, hey, what happened to this? And I knew I should have texted them my update a few hours ago. And that I put them in a situation where they didn't feel confident that I had it covered. And it was totally unnecessary because I didn't notice the gut instinct to send them a message, but I didn't listen to it. And why did I not listen to it? There was an other thought in my head of, oh, it'll be fine. You don't need to do that. Don't worry about it. Really? Is that the kind of person I wanted to be? No, I want to be sure. I don't want to think that they don't need that. I actually want to be the person that puts other people at ease, that removes unnecessary uncertainty. And that is a principle of mine. And I didn't do that in the moment. So I'm not blaming myself. I just realized, huh, interesting. I had that alternative thought pop up that I listened to instead of listening to my gut instinct. Very similarly, and obviously this is a very minor situation, but very similarly in big situations and big challenges, we simply look back and we're like, what was the thought in my head? What were the assumptions I made? What is the skill that I'm yet missing? 
what is maybe a pattern that I have or behaviors that I demonstrate that I think are good, but maybe others disagree with that and reflect on it. Speaking of Seneca here and using some stoic references, I coincidentally read the letters from Seneca this morning and in letter 53, he talks about the fact that when we're deep asleep and we're not conscious of the fact that we're sleeping, we're also not conscious of ourselves because we're still deep in it. And when we're deep into something like sleep, we're not aware of what's happening. So it's the person who's awakened, who recounts his dream and acknowledging one's failings, that is a sign of help. So let us rouse ourselves so that we may be able to demonstrate our errors. The process of self-reflection is a way to be somewhat conscious while we're sleeping. So we remember the dream and we realize we're dreaming. That's the whole point. So you may say, hey, afterwards, I'm going to write down on a piece of paper all the things that went wrong, in my opinion, right? So I put it all on paper of what went wrong, who said what, what did I do? And then read it again and look at it. And one of the things that I like to do in such situations is I read it and then I classify which statements are factual, like it did actually happen and we could all agree to it. It's a fact, there's evidence. And then what is it that I wrote that's a total interpretation or an assumption that I'm making? It's not factual and we wouldn't all agree to it. The things that are interpretations and assumptions are things that we could see differently if we choose to do so, right? They're not facts. When we think about adopting a new mindset or looking at something different or taking a different perspective, it is to focus on those interpretations and assumptions and see how else could we see this? How else could we interpret this? And so forth. So that's the process of reflection. And from reflection and this conscious awareness of what's happening is what allows us then to move into that fourth phase, which is to act and grow. It means to communicate to people who were impacted, uh, what we're owning and what we're doing to rectify the situation. It is for us to invest in growing or course correcting certain behaviors, putting guardrails in place, asking for or soliciting feedback to help us better understand our patterns. It may also mean to go at it again. So for example, if you were interviewing for a job, and you thought you did great, but at the end of the process, someone else got the job and you ask them for feedback and they may say, well, it was all great, but we kind of felt as if you weren't really demonstrating a thoughtful approach to your leadership and we weren't confident that you were ready for the scope of this role. Instead of saying, oh, this is a fact and I am not ready for this role, you now know I wasn't clear and articulating my philosophy or my abilities to lead. Now, assuming that you actually are prepared to step into a role like this, but then you just know I need to better communicate. So next time around, instead of thinking I can't do this, you know, I've gone through this experience. This whole first interview process with that company is preparing me to do better next time around. Whenever we go at it again, we now know more than we did the first time. So if we failed the first time, and we're just going to go again. A young child who's learning how to walk, they don't try walking and then fall back on their butt and think, oh my gosh, I can't walk. No, they get back up. They try again because they think, well, that didn't work, but you know, I lost balance. Let's just go at it again because now I, I know a little bit more. I have a new data point in my mind, a signal that allows me to over time build up the skills of walking. And that is what is the process of us 
rectifying the situation, taking actions and growing as a result of this. And when we prepare for challenges, failures and setbacks mentally, and we think about how we will respond, I'm going circling back to that comment earlier on, in that moment, as you meditate or premeditate such situations or visualize what could happen, imagine this story that you will tell yourself. Let's say, I'm going back to the example with the workshop series. So if I say, I'm doing the workshop and I realize like people are falling half asleep or they're not paying attention, they're on their phones, they're not participating, what will I do? So there are a few things that I can do to course correct the situation, but there's also an internal story. Will I say, oh my gosh, I am failing them. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. Or will I say, no, I've done this many times. I know what I can do, but this particular situation just needs me to adapt my strategy because this is a different audience than maybe what I've worked with last month. So I'm just going to use a different skill set, a different approach, and I'm going to display curiosity to find out hmm, what's not working here and how can I adjust. And I think of myself as someone who's adaptable and I am going to be and feel confident that I can adjust to any situation or any person in the room who may be a little bit challenging in the group that I can handle it. So I premeditate this response that I want to display down the road. When we prepare for it, we own it, we reflect on it, and then we act and grow as we've prepared. As you can see, it's a bit of a cycle that we can go through and grow with it or through it. So the four steps of preparing for challenges, owning them, not blaming others, but also not blaming yourself to the point where you become a victim of it, then reflecting on and develop this consciousness of what is happening or what happened, and then to act and grow through the experience. Those are the four phases and the four ways to navigate setbacks and challenges at work or in our personal lives, of course, as well. So I hope this episode inspired you to think about your approach to challenges. And if you have someone in your circle of friends or a coworker who's going through a tough time and you think they would benefit from this episode as well, please do pass it along. As always, I highly appreciate that because the more people we can help and support and help spark some new ideas or perspectives as it relates to their professional careers and their leadership careers, the better. Thank you so much. And I'll be back with another episode of the Manager Track podcast next week. Bye for now. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out two other awesome resources to help you become a leader people love to work with. This includes my best-selling book, The Confident and Competent New Manager, which you can find on Amazon or at RamonaShaw.com book and a free training on how to successfully lead as a new manager. You can check it out at RamonaShaw.com masterclass. These resources and a couple more you'll find in the show notes down below.